Oh, yeah, G. What's up, Karen, mate? Well, we're back after a few weeks, aren't we? So, um, yeah, um, and an involuntary holiday yeah. vacances so for myself. I miss Saman, actually. Normally, he's um, he was good company last time we spoke. It was, it was a good crack, actually. It's good to have um, good to have someone on. Just quick run through of what we'll get through today. Obviously, we'll start off with Dubai. Um, Dubai, talk, yeah. Dubai, Dubai, Dubai. What happened? Because um, Give me, let me get through this. Right. Let me get through this first. Um, we we'll talk about the the FLR game against Czech Republic. Uh, I know you want to go into a little bit about squash. I know uh, Paul Cole's up to number two in the world now. Huge. Um, bit of basketball results. Obviously, the Formula One controversial. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, bouncing back to a few questions from a few of the guys. Um, we've also got a little bit on um, men's and ladies Luxembourg Athlete of the Year. Uh, a few more questions. Uh, I've got a bit of true or false for you about Luxembourg, actually. Some funny questions. Okay, some good ones. So yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll bounce over to um, to the rugby as well in Europe this year because there's some interesting stories. Obviously, COVID's running rife, so they're literally having to get Joe Bloggs to play in some of the matches and. I was reading about some quite cool stories um, about guys who've like been called up to play uh, for the likes of Cardiff and stuff like that. Um, Big opportunities out there, isn't oh, it? Oh, mate, massive. And then obviously we'll bounce through to the results at the end. But anyway, where do you want me to start? Uh, mate, I want you to start. Well, we, we could go into the um, to, to the rugby when you played against Czech Republic when I saw you um, a couple of weeks back. Um, but can we start with your latest... Um, your latest, what we call it, travels. The latest uh, chapter in my book. I am yeah, going to bring out. This, this is a this is a big one. Dubai, 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 Dubai. Um, if you want to we said our au revoir to you to at, at the airport. Yeah. And, and the next thing we know, we're um, well. There wasn't there wasn't very little comms between us. No, was, uh, yeah, I went off the radar were, a bit, you know. But basically, uh, so we played on the Saturday. Um, little lines on the Sunday. Flew out uh, from Brussels. On the where Sunday night, big temperature change by the way, because that, that night you played at the stadium and on the Saturday, it, Mate, it was all right. It was all when you're running around, it was all right. right. Was it? It, was, it was, it's um, again, we'll, we'll get into the, yeah. the, the, the that bit in a minute. Um, yeah, flew out, uh, I flew out with Liam Carroll. We landed, uh, we landed about half six in the morning. So, who were you playing for? Playing for the Canadian Irregulars. So, um, got asked, and that's a regular thing that you do, ha. Very funny. Good play on words there. Um, well, I've done it the last couple of years, but obviously COVID killed it, so there wasn't a Dubai Sevens last year. So the guy who runs the team is a guy called Neil Young. Um, and he met my brother Gareth, who's the journalist, out in Iraq. And they used to play a bit of touch rugby. And Neil um, uh, loved his rugby and organised a team one year, I think in 2016, maybe 2015, to go out to the Dubai Sevens. A couple of years afterwards, met Gareth, asked him, and um, he said, "No, you don't. You don't want me to play rugby. You should ask my older brother. He loves it." So Neil got in touch with me, asked me to go out, but it was just as I moved over here and I was just starting little lines, and I really couldn't. I didn't want to take the time off. So I said, "Speak to Kyle. He was the one, yeah. the the youngest one who'd obviously played out um, in was North Harbour and stuff." The better rugby player. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Delete that. <laughs> um, and. Um, and yeah, so Carl went out that year, and then Carl got injured, so I went out the following year, and then we both got to play together in 2019, and we actually we won the tournament we were in. Good crack. 
a good party afterwards. And then, um, yeah, so it's just been an ongoing thing and it's, you meet a good bunch of boys, Canadian boys are some crack, mate. They're just a different breed. Like, they're all good boys. Mad for the ice. And, and are they all, they're all Canadian except for yourself? No, or? so it's obviously with the, with, with going up a, um, going up a, um, to, like, to play in the open, you know, um, we, we just wouldn't be at that level. So you've got a couple of Scottish guys who've come in. You've got the, we think there were four Canadian lads this year, maybe five, who are sort of, you know, good players and stuff. Um, and a couple of them are actually on the fringe of the Canada Sevens and stuff. But um, so, so how does it work? Everyone, the, the, the team is a sponsor. Who 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 does the all the who does the like who gets the jerseys? Who gets yeah, Neil. The so Neil or, Neil organises all of that, um, and then yeah, you get sponsors and stuff. Um, you, you, this whole illusion about um, oh you'll get someone to pay for your flights and everything out there. I think it's a load of tosh. You yeah. know? I, I, I my understanding is that doesn't happen. So yeah, happy to to pay your flights out and everything like that and then obviously if you can get sponsorship on board that can um, subsidise hotel costs hotel. and that sort mm-hmm. of thing um, and then um, and I guess, I guess within the tournament package there, there there's transport to and from your yeah you get transport hotel. and then obviously you get you get your lunch on the day and stuff like that and you normally play in the mornings so you'll either play two games on the first day and one on the second day or the other way around and then you'll play a knockout game early doors on the Saturday and basically, you could play three knockout games on the on the Saturday if you made it all the way to the final of your, you know, of the, the group or the, yep. the classification that you're in. Um, but yeah, so we flew out, uh, met all the lads at the airport. It's good. Some boys I haven't seen in about three years, so it's really good to see some of them. Um, did training, and then yeah, that was good. Good fun. Then we had you have lunch. You know, you go out to the Dubai Mall and all that sort of stuff. Same the next day, and then yeah, basically on message. Um, Someone I knew had been a close contact, and I was actually feeling a bit rough on the Wednesday, and I was like, oh, I should, I should go and get tested, you know. Um, uh, I, even that they say that Dubai is like super low with the infection rate, but I'm not, I'm not so sure, mate. Um, so whether I picked it up before I went out there, and then yeah, tested positive, so it was like. But you played on, yeah, yeah. But when you played on the Saturday prior, you were feeling. Yeah, it's good as gold, mate. Good as gold. Good as gold. And this is on the Wednesday. So this it's is the on Wednesday. Wednesday, so it's that five-day incubation. So did I pick mm-hmm. it up in check? Or be, oh, you, this is the sort of thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's actually irrelevant mm-hmm. where I've got it because you've had it now. Yeah, I felt rough, uh, pretty fevery. Um, and you were in the hotel for how sets. many days? Into, and so you weren't. You didn't. So you weren't able to go. You didn't go no, to the rink around no, at all. No, I didn't even get to go and see the the Dubai Stadium or anything. So yeah, I was just locked in a room. Um, and then had to change hotels after two days. Um, because they wanted to... Well, because it was a COVID, like a COVID-compliant hotel. Okay. So it's like for people like myself who were, who were obviously tested positive. Um, yeah, and you just sat in there, and we get a knock in the morning, doctor comes in, asks you how you're getting on, checks your symptoms, does your temperature, and then you just get the doorbell rings three times a day for your food, it gets dropped in a bag. Um it's fairly bland yeah, and then yeah uh, yeah and then so got out of isolation on the Sunday sort of Sunday lunchtime and then yeah flew back home on Tuesday there so it's all a bit been a bit messy. and how did the team get on did they have a good time they did alright they got to the quarterfinals of the main comp which is good lost to a team called the Waterboys who are a big Scottish touring yeah. team they were good so you watched them for, I, I guess it's no I didn't watch it I had no interest absolutely <laughs> zero interest in watching rugby or 
staying up to date with the results of the tournament wasn't interested in the slightest <laughs> so <laughs> you know uh, so a um, yeah so what's that t- t- 10 days out there to stay in a hotel and well, not even mate it was longer than that what was it 16 days in the end out there 16 days in a hotel and then back yeah wow you know not many stories to tell no me, nothing at all oh. nothing at all and it was like oh Dubai that must have been great yeah it would have been if I could get outside could get the outside. hotel um, but yeah so and you're feeling good now you're, you're, you're yeah, feeling good, good or you're bouncing or, or you're still because I just saw an article on this morning on the uh, Manchester City player Kevin De Bruyne yeah and he said that he's really still struggling really? with, with up to up to fitness well, I say I say I'm, I'm good to go like I've only done a little I've done a little bit of gym and exercise and stuff but I am you know yourself I like to go and get a beast in and run the stairs or whatever I think I have to you know just to be a bit cagey um, and take my time getting back into it which isn't easy if you like being active but it is it is what it is yeah um, and um, the FLR yeah, versus so, Czech Republic so it was a massive I thought it was actually um, I've, I've got a we'll, we'll bot on an interview with Oshin here as well get his thoughts on it because obviously it's good to always get another voice um, but yeah going on from Sweden everything just everything just seemed to be much more I don't know I don't know if organised is the word but much more structured in terms of the training um uh, more, more what, comfortable with the group the squad uh, of the group I of think players, so coaches. maybe maybe responded to the coaches a bit better you know more familiar with everything uh, a couple of changes Thomas Kremer came in he was big for a, a big one of the props and the French guys he's a big player um, and Hugo and yourself changed uh, yeah, yeah. position got a run at fly off which was good um, you know we, we, we went alright we sort of Kept it, kept it at bay to to about sixty minutes. Then I actually threw an interception, and the guy ran about. He ran about sixty meters and scored, which is is what it is. It's easy to say you shouldn't have done it and stuff. Um, and then what what actually really killed us was, so I think at that point it was maybe it might have been fourteen twelve. So we're still in touch. And then about three minutes later, their touch judge has not flagged this horrendous forward pass like. I'll show you a clip of it, and it, the worst thing about it is it's on the 22, and you can see the line. You can see where he passes it from and where the ball finishes up. And we said their touch judge, so they they yeah, so they you provide sub- one. They provide one. We provide one. It didn't get flagged. Um, so you provide a touch. They provide a touch, and the referee is independent. Chosen, independent. Well, well, I don't know actually because when we played, I think when we played Sweden, everybody was independent. The whole panel. So I don't know if rugby Europe. You know, just pick and choose or whatever, but bah, you know, I think that was the the straw that broke the camel's back. That sort of knocked stuffing out of us because we'd been. Would you say we were playing well? We were playing competitively. You know, we if a couple of things had gone our way. Say you got a try, and that changes everything. We stayed in touch, sort of kicked my goals, um, but you know, in the end they pulled away, and I think it finished up 37, 38, 12, which looks like a hiding, but really. It was. It's only the last twenty that you dropped not, off. Not even like a couple of quick scores. Then we sort of got back into it, not on the scoreboard anyway. And so overall, you're happy with the way you played. Me personally. Well, the the, the team. Uh, I think it was. It, uh, parts of it were better, but there's still a, there's still a lot of work to do, you know. Um, but it was pretty epic playing at that new. Uh, that new, new stadium. stadium. The, the Villa, the Villa did a cracking job. You didn't. You didn't rip it up. Huh? 
You didn't rip it up. No, it's like it's hybrid. I think this is hybrid grass. So it's like half artificial, half um, obviously real grass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cracking, cracking surface. It actually snowed on the Friday night when we were training. It was cold. It was cold. But I mean, once you get running around on it, it's gold. Uh, and, and yeah, there's a big, big crowd down there. What, would, would you say it's one of the biggest crowds in Luxembourg? For rugby. For rugby. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Probably the biggest crowd some boys have played played in front of ever. You know. Wow. But it does, it's funny because, and we'll talk about this um, with Oshin later on, but there's, uh, there's this running, running joke about the project. You call him the project player, Luxembourg's first project player. And um, it's about three years ago, we were out on Duke's night and actually bumped into John Flynn, who was at the time the current coach. national team coach. You know, bit of, bit of chat, a bit of banter, as they say, flowing around. And then Oshin was like, ah, oh, you know, tell the lads it's the project player and stuff. And... Then John would see Oshin up at training and be like, has the project coming on, Oshin? And, all, you know, just, it's just constantly going on. And then a load of Oshin's mates uh, all flew over from, from Dublin and his family were all there as well. But they'd made this flag and it actually said the project. project <laughs> the project. And they had it up and, mate, we were in the warm-up and they were making such oh, a racket and you glanced up. I'll post the picture when oh, you can I see them all up. Even in the warm-up, we all the... saw the picture and laughing. It was brilliant, mate. Fair play to them all coming over. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Okay, so you were in, uh, you're going to be interviewing the project? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to the project later on. Uh, well, you'll hear later on on the podcast and we'll, we'll get his thoughts on that. Um, uh, but yeah, the, again, the stadium is immaculate. It's brand new. Um, changing rooms, Brilliant. Um, pitch immaculate after match you know it's all it's all state of the art it's absolutely it was, it's a real I enjoyed playing at Josie Bartel actually because it's a cracking track when it wasn't a potato field yeah um, but um, yeah it was a real real good experience and, then and, it, it, and it's, it's a fast track so oh yeah yeah, yeah but I mean even, even yeah, with... yeah but we, did, we, were, we didn't throw the ball around that much because our big problem is we don't play together mm-hmm. don't play together enough and the guys don't play together in the clubs enough so it's all well and good having like this big elaborate is, it, is that because a lot of the team that come from uh, some are playing student rugby or some no, are playing not, in not, South not of France so or... just not playing together you know you're just playing at different clubs um, and it's it's difficult when you're really getting on a Thursday night you train you can't and then you'll do one heavier training session on the Friday you can't be doing too much training before the game you're absolutely gassed you know um, but um yeah, I'd encourage. I think the ne- the next one is against Hungary, actually, and it's on the twelfth of March. So that will be at the stadium. Yeah, at the stadium. So that'll okay. be another good one. Hopefully, they'll get more people down for that. We'll try and lock that into the the, the, the diary. Yeah, um, the after match function is is brilliant. You get like a players bar, um, and then yeah, free free. Um, Free beverages and, 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 and you can um, socialise with some of the fans. Uh, I mean, Josie Bartel used to come down at yeah, the absolutely, stadium. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, everything's just much more prof- professionally done. It's actually quite funny. We're out, and then you can go out onto like a balcony, which looks onto the pitch, and you go down there, and all the guys. I think there was a football match maybe three or four days later at the stadium. So literally, as soon as you finish buff, they're off wiping off the lines and stuff, and you know preparing it for the next thing. And then I think there's about ten of the the ground staff down there get bored and get hold of the tackle shields and they're all oh, messing really? around in the dead ball area. And oh, brilliant! They're all like cheering yeah. on, the, on the balcony and stuff. So it was it was it was good, mate. It was good, good experience. Um, as I say, hopefully we'll win next time we play there. But yeah, I, I mean I think fabulous when you know a, a small sport, a small 
smaller, smaller in, in comparison well, to football sport, yeah, here and, and so I think that's fabulous if you get um, a couple of thousand people at the, at the game I mean I think we, we, we would both agree wouldn't it be wonderful to have a top 14 team or, or a professional team Class, based out of, out, out, of, out of Luxembourg that's for another day mate that's for another day um, but yeah don't want to just rabbit on about the uh, the rugby actually I was reading there um, well I'll let you take over here but your pal Paul Cole so he's the first um, yeah, Kiwi since 1987 to reach the uh, top two in the world 1987 phenomenal that's a phenomenal. long time ago I didn't even exist in 1987 well actually in 1986 Ross Norman beat Jahangir Khan for the first time in, in the world championships in Toulouse um, Ross Norman was Jahangir Khan Pakistan oh okay one of the greatest players of all time um, and uh, yeah so even for me I was a youngster in those days and, and, and I, you know it's fair to say I didn't know a, a lot about it but now being a full time squash professional let's say or coach and, and, and knowing some of the players and, and knowing Paul and seeing what he does it's, it's absolutely phenomenal in a, in a market that's just in the top 20 in the world is just drenched with Egyptian players Egyptian talent they're doing things right out there um, I think it's the second largest sport outside of football in Egypt really yeah so it's never, but to be fair it's never gonna, you're never going to compete with football in any country are you so good, yeah fair point New Zealand would, would probably give a, a football a bit of a run but no I don't, I don't even believe in they do I think I believe in New Zealand that um, football's still the largest largest sport in, um, in junior, junior sport but however Paul Cole he uh, won the uh, Canary Wharf Classic um, it was in November wasn't it in November did you watch that Yes, so I watched it with a good friend of mine, John Williams, who's normally a commentator or usually commentates, but he he um, he couldn't be because we're on a we're on a coaching course together. Um, but good to sit with him and go go, go through. I touch up, brush up some of my skills of watching uh, or, or coaching at that level, or what you know how we would coach at that level was. That's, was, that's quite an interesting point. It's like I think with. Um, in the, the sports coaching world, if you like. I'm not the sort of person, if you give me a book and go and read it, that doesn't mean make me a better coach. You know, I like to go and watch other people coach or watch top top level people play. And there's just, even if you take one little thing, that's like your your CPD, isn't it? Your continual professional development. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I could go on to this about the, the, the World Squash Federation's Level 3, three course, which... Well, quite frankly, it was all all all, all, all on paper. Yeah, and, and, you, get, and you get taught to coach in a way that you wouldn't coach. Wouldn't coach. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, they're try, It's almost like they're trying to give a give you a personality. But you're. We've already got all the most of the coaches, or certainly four or five of us on the course, were were already had personalities. But I wanted to take it, and, and that overall it was it was, it was significantly advantageous for me to go because I met, I met up with a good a good friend of mine, um, Johnny Williams. Um, I met a uh, an English guy who's now the Maltese national coach. Yep. In fact, he plays for Malta, and he'll be playing in the Com, Com Games. Um, Niall, fabulous, and he's he, and, and consequently now we're, we're in communication every two or three days. The three of us yeah. keep it just bouncing ideas off each other and sharing. And and I've had, never had as much in, more energy 
of, of, of I wouldn't say necessarily coaching, but running, being the director of the squash program, I never had so much energy as, I, as I've had in my life because of that week, not because of the course. Yeah. The course was it's just meeting the people, isn't it? I think you know you, that that's that's, that's right. that. and I, that's where I think there's a place in not necessarily doing the courses as a, as, as, as a coach, um, but certainly go to conferences. And taking the taking the, the the best bits out, and that's what I certainly did. I took some best bits out, so I'm really glad I, I, I was there. Um, we were working as well with or communicating with the it was held in Switzerland, so the the Swiss coaches who were wanting to be tutors or who are tutors, I should say. Um, Squash that big in Switzerland? Yeah, they do. They're, they're all right. Nicky Nicky Muller, top twenty players. They they've got a good good program, um, and and good coaches, good players. Um, yeah so and, and in fact I think they, they, on the first or second day they felt I, I was being made, well, possibly was being a little bit provocative but I, I, I well, well, then the tutor and I just said listen who, what, why, why are you here I asked and why are you here what are you who are you what are you and tell me what you do because I, that's really what I was interested in yeah. I wasn't interested in him and telling me how to communicate to a to a 10 year old or to a to an elite athlete um I was interested in, 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 in what he does and, and, and how has he become successful because they were they're all successful in their in their own right. Yeah. Um, very 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 valuable. Um, that was the week away I had in in, in, in Switzerland. Um, anyway, we were we took the opportunity to sit through a couple of games at, at the time um, and, and and watch uh, Paul win the win the Canary Wharf, which takes him to number two in the world. He's currently playing the Black Ball Open. Um, in Egypt, and I think if he wins that, he could go to world number one. I would, all think. Heavy, is it, would, would all the heavyweights be at that? Oh, point? they're all there. They're all there. I think he's seated two, and now I think Ali's seated one. But I mean, it's there's massive hurdles. These guys, are, 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 every match is a is a tough slog. There's no e- there's no easy match. So, at what at what point do you like? So, I'm number a thousand in the world. Right. Okay. Um, at what point? You know, and this isn't to take anything away from anybody who's playing squash professionally. You know, at what point? I keep saying, at what point? Mm. Where do you got to be to be making money? You know, you know where you could, where it's sustainable as a lifestyle. Do you have to. Be well, honestly, it's, to be it'll be best to speak to. I I, I don't know. Um, it's best to speak to um, uh, Paul about it. He will be able to give you a good indication because a lot of those athletes will then be getting um, funded by their governments. Yeah. And I, I I I don't know. If I was to take a guess. At Paul, maybe he gets thirty thousand, forty thousand a year from the government, perhaps, and, and their sports program, and, and that yeah. maybe. So that's his base, and then he would go out and he would still uh, do exhibition matches, and uh-huh. he would still go uh-huh. out and, and play leagues. It's quite an interesting one in squash because it's not like you play for one team and and that's that that's that. You go and play different leagues in different countries. Yeah, so here you have an Italian team, you have a, a French team, um, certainly the Bundesliga. Um, he plays and there's big money in the Bundesliga um, and you, you know, I think he, he plays for, for, for Worms and, and, and consequently the sponsor of that of Worms who, who he plays for um, sponsors him privately yeah. so he's on the front of his, his t-shirt so he's yeah. probably getting I don't, I don't know let's say another 15 or 20,000 mm-hmm. for that so that's how he would be making his, his money but in terms of the tournament how much are they winning on these big tournaments I don't know not a lot 20, 30,000 and, and no, and that's if you win it. That's if you. That's if you're winning it. And so, you, of course, you're going to be in the top five in the world if you're winning it. So, but then, it's oh, oh. a very, very minority. But there's certainly not enough money in it. I think 
some things they go, the squash is going in a very very good way yes it'd be nice to be an Olympic sport but it's, it's not the be all end of it in, in my my opinion um, yes it'd certainly be more funding if if it was an Olympic sport but I think they're going that they're doing some good things but they're also doing some real amateur yeah. amateur things as, 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 as well if I was to be critical I don't know everything oh, I certainly don't know any, everything but when, when I look at some certain things I mean you know, here's a here's a classic example. So the two the two main commentators, three in fact, you got um, the the very very good commentators. They know squash. They're in the mix. Their 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 cues they use are very good. The the the, the slang they, they they use is is excellent. But every time you see them, these guys are wearing the same suits. Still wearing the same. I mean, it's almost like yeah, it's it's crazy. And why has no one gone to I don't know House of Fraser or uh, I don't know what's another outlet and said these guys are the, the, the clothes that these guys are wearing are sponsored by Barker's clothing. Well, you have to get dressed up for commentating anyway, not on TV. Well, you are. You sp- no, you spend a lot of time afterwards when you interview players oh, and when you okay, get together and, and at the start before That's the match they're, they're, they're doing it. Now we I, I watched the breakdown. Do you watch the the, the it's a New Zealand. Um, I've seen a bit, yeah, I've seen a little now bit. these guys have got they got to, and at the end of it there's a little piece to say the Nathan uh, got his shoes from Primark it's just yeah, basic yeah. things and these guys are wearing different suits all the time and these guys are sponsored just little things like that that could just be a bit sharper and yeah, a bit yeah, better yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't change the game of squad it doesn't, but, it, but it changes the appeal a, um, a, a, a little bit more they, they could, there's a little bit more detail but so what they're doing, the show where they're showcasing the courts and the lightings and the show's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And I and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm proud to see squash where it is. But there's certainly room for improvement. But there's a lot of money. You get these big tournaments out in Abu Dhabi. Is that where you get the big pay packets then, and all Saudi Arabia and stuff? There's and a, squash a tournament in, in, in Qatar. There's a bit, bit of uh, cash there. But it, but Egypt at the moment, thankfully, because of all these players coming through, then Egypt are putting a lot of. A lot of tournaments on, so through COVID, though, but the, the, most of them have been in uh, been in Egypt. There's a lot in the US. Yeah. Boy, you know how we were talking last year about this uh, the facilities, state of the art facilities in the US. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! I looking, saw something this morning. These centres, these squash centres that they've got on university campus. I mean, squash is rugby's a, 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 a small sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But squash is. I don't, couldn't couldn't put a figure on it. Hundreds times smaller than um, than rugby, but these facilities that these um, athletes or students are training in, absolutely world class. Well, they get the boosters, don't they? All the alumni. It's a big thing where you go if you go off and make it big after university, you pump money into your old but to a stomping ground. Yeah, yeah. F- fabulous thing. Fab- uh, I mean, a fabulous concept, isn't it? Certainly doesn't work in, in, in Luxembourg. In Luxembourg. <laughs> well, that, that's one of the things I just wanted to bounce over a little bit. When you've got, so, you know, you've got Egypt, and they've obviously, at some point, they've gone and sat down and, right, we want to put, put Egypt on the map here. How are we going to do that? What sport are we going to do? At some point, someone's had to be, you know, be, you know, because obviously it's not all funded. There's going to be someone who sat down and been like, I think squash could be our way, whether it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was. It's almost like, imagine if Luxembourg actually sat down and was like, look, lads, look at all this money. There's an interesting one here. Do, that you, do if, you think, I don't, I, I don't know if Lux, Luxembourg, I don't think they, they, there's certainly, did, 
they don't think they want to do it or they don't know about it. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't know if they... It's almost like like being the little man sort of thing, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're, I read something that they've never qualified for a major championship in, uh, in football or anything. And it's like... They are... We, well, we are a small country, aren't why we? Not, I mean, why not focus but, on something that... There's a cycling, you know, so they do focus well, on... Well, then cycling. we'd say in an individual... I think we might have had this conversation. I've certainly had a go. Then it's better to focus on an individual. So we've got some phenomenal athletes. The Schleck brothers were phenomenal yeah, athletes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are doing okay. Yeah. Football, we are doing okay in football. Ooh, you know, but... Yeah, but I'm talking about, you know, you've... We're like, starting to get a few wins. We're starting to get a few wins. We don't qualify for anything. I know, but this we get a football podcast, by the way. <laughs> we seldom <laughs> talk about football, but but Luxembourg challenged um, Ireland re- recently well, for a pe- for a period. I mean, well, it's no different for us. We challenged Czech Republic for a bit. We still got pumped in the end, didn't we? You know, but yeah, I just I think it'd be interesting to see if there's like sports where you could really, really focus and you know direct all your funding. I think it starts deep. I think it goes, uh, uh, yes. I think it goes a lot deeper in that. I had this conversation before. It goes back into the in, into the schools and the facilities that yeah. they've got, and for having a department, having a physical education department. Yeah. Local so, school, my two girls at. They don't have a physical education department. I know it's a primary school. But why, why is it not? A, why does it? Why does there not a director? What does it? Yes, they do. They go. They do swimming and they try to do activities one an hour a week, but but that's it. Yeah. Why, well, you know, we, we certainly the school you went to, they had everything. They had hockey, they had rugby, they had um, they had squash courts at Stoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, name a sport you don't do. Yeah, that'd be hard. Even you bloody rowing and stuff like that. Now. The school that I went to, I'm trying to think. I mean, do do, do wood chopping for example. I mean, ski, you, you, yeah, ski. Stoke yeah, ski teams, <laughs> you have the lot. So why not? Why not Luxembourg when it's certainly financially equipped for it that's for sure so we're obviously we've gone off as we always do on a bit yeah. of a tangent I love it um, so you know what sport should we focus on there you go if you're listening give us a sport to pump money into what what should we go after something different or should we just keep doing what we're doing um, big question for you if you played Paul Cole how would you get on like a taunt yeah but like I wouldn't be able to keep up with it after after, after two and a half minutes probably less than that after after two minutes, my heart rate would be at, would be at max. I'd, I'd be gassed. I'd be I'd be gasping for air. I could st- I could stay with them for two two minutes. Yeah, but you're still in the first rally. What would that be? Would it be a case of after that two minutes, you're like pull yourself together, or would you be hunched over, hugging the wall, sort of thing? I mean, we've all been there. You know, I mean, you run up those stairs and you've just got you you've gassed. There's nothing, but you still you still keep going. You know, yeah. that's. That, Probably one of my so the some, I can still keep going, I yeah, still keep going, still yeah. keep going. But you're, you're, I don't know, there is obviously a, a, a scientific term. You, 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 you can't keep up. You, there is, there's no air left. Yeah. You're gone yeah. after, after t- two or three minutes. Um, these guys, these guys, by the way, get, will go for a, a 90 minutes at that intensity. That's right. And, and, and they are under pressure. They are under pressure as well. Yeah, it's different level of pressure. Coming back to it, I was just thinking before we started the show, when you were playing Czech Republic, are you gassed? No. I haven't been tired playing a rugby match. Apart from sevens, I haven't been tired. 
Okay, but, so, but yeah, at a certain point, you're, do, you're, you're, you're doing a sprint of, of 30 metres, 40 metres, right? And then you've got to recover back to your, yeah. your position and, yeah. and, and, uh, and oh, whether it's a job. But it, it's not as... There's no hiding in squash. There's no hiding, mate. There's no hiding. There's no hiding. There's no breaks. There is nowhere. There's no. There's nowhere to have your break. There's nowhere to go and hide. You can't just go here. Can I just pop off to the toilet? Doesn't you know? It doesn't work. Like that. <laughs> yeah. In rugby, yeah, you can hide. And I know. Uh, I'm sure I've played with boys who hide. You know, take a bit longer in the scrum or a bit slow from the line out and stuff. But obviously, that's why we're at the level we're at and why I'm not playing. Or not just me, but why a lot of the guys aren't playing at the top it's level. You know. When you played, um, the, the t- it is top level in the UK, you were gassed. I think it was more, I, I, I've talked about it before when I played, played, uh, played against Ealing, and that was more of a mental, that was actually the one that you, you it's mental exhaustion, because you're like, you're thinking too much. So if you're thinking too much about what we're going to do here, oh my God, what's going on here and stuff like that, you're not breathing, so you're not recovering. You know what I mean? So it's like if you go and if I yeah. go and play a rugby match now, because it's not really that stressful. Take a couple of deep breaths and um, oh yeah, we don't, I think, don't, get, don't get that opportunity for for, for, for squash, uh, yeah. depends on how long. I, I couldn't last for longer than, than 20, 30 minutes, even I, at my own level. I actually um, was listening to so it's called the High Performance um, uh, podcast, and it's. Jake Humphrey, Jake Humphrey, who's the yeah. Formula One guy, and another guy, Professor Damien Hughes, and they had DC Dan Carter on mm-hmm. there, and re- uh, love it like legend. What a bloke! What a human being! Do you know what I mean? Him and there's another one with Wilkinson that I want to listen to as well. But even Carter was saying, you know, when you're playing in the game and stuff, and he would like if he knew if he had a big kick, he would do something where. Um, he would do this thing just before he, he would kick. So he'd like, you know, you, you finish and you have your 90 seconds to like take the, take the, um, take the conversion set, whatever. And he would do this thing where he'd like really push the, um, his toes into his boots and into the ground. And then that would just give him his like three or four or five seconds to sort of, you know, pull himself together and then take what would be, probably be an important kick. Um, but that was just really interesting. But yes, that's a good point. You know, do you, do you feel gassed when you when you play anymore? And I'm like, no, not it's not. I don't. I'm not being arrogant, but no, you, you do feel a bit tired or the bangs after the game. And sometimes in some matches, you know, the up, the ante goes up a little bit, and you can, you know, that that stress or it's almost that fear of failure, especially when you're playing like at RCL. When realistically you're playing, so what do you play? You play 14 games in the regular season. Um, probably six of them. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, you're playing your Frankfurt, your Neuenheims, you know, those sort of teams. But, but there's games you're going to target, but then there's also games, you know, if you're, you, you're not going to get near them. That's yeah. just the nature yeah. of the beast. Um, and you know, even when we played the last time we played Forzheim, you know, we were we were down a little bit, and you like right, you know, a bit of stress creep, you know, creeps into it. But again, you just have to just do what you've been practicing at training. Yeah. When if, I was, it if it doesn't come off, it's the coach's fault. It's not yeah. art. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I always had a, a, a little phrase I used to say to the, the, the team when, um, when I was playing my last kind of, say, European club games around in, for Luxembourg, I th- where it was. And I used to say, well, I'm going to go and play a guy that's, let's say, top 50, top 60 in the world. What was my game plan? Well, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink in the first set. And if I can win the first set, brilliant. Or if I can get close, brilliant. Yeah. And then thereafter, 
just hang on for the ride. Just hang on, hang on, yeah. annoy him, play a bit of craft, throw a ball down the, um, yeah. d- down the line, just nick a few points. Then if I felt good again, go again. Yeah. And and basically hang on. That was that was my plan, just to stay with them for as long as uh, long as possible. I mean, you, you you play against and a lot of boys who, who are listening will know this. You sometimes play against guys it, when the bus rocks up and you get those monsters rock up, and I might go, "What are they feeding him? Yeah. You know what vitamins is he taking?" And they'd be like, "Oh, don't worry about them and stuff like that." If someone says, "Oh, don't worry about it," for me that's almost like an insecurity because. I played against big boys. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter. Not yeah. going to stop yeah. me playing. You know, I'm going to try and tackle him and get bounced out of the way anyway. Exactly so, right, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like you don't need to say that, pal. I can say what I want. I'm. I'll you, worry you, about you, me. Yeah. I'll worry about me. You worry about yourself. Yeah. You know. I guess they. Don't, I don't think that that individual that's commentating just doesn't understand what you're actually communicating yeah, yeah, about yeah. it. You know, and you know, maybe maybe it's an insecurity of mine. You know, maybe. Oh, look yeah, at that guy! Oh, so. But but also, there's, here's a really interesting one. So, uh, and again, some boys will relate to this. You do a huddle before a game, and it's like, you know, everyone's seen the speeches, the lions, or the teams they talk before the games and stuff like, like that. Um, and um, yeah, the amount of times I'm like sat there, and you you get Joe Bloggs piping up, and you're like, why are you talking? <laughs> why can't we just sit in silence? Just sit and worry about your own game. You don't need to talk. Again, it's an insecurity. It's like, oh, we have to be talking and all this sort of stuff. Remember reading one of the... Well, what, do they do in, what do they do in basketball, in the NBA? There's only one, there's only one person talking and that would be either the captain or the, or the coach. they're all gassed, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. the coach would be like, let's do this. That's going to run this play. I wish I wish that would happen, but it's like... I mean, that's one thing John brought in when we used to do the sevens because we'd be notorious for coming in and all talking. He goes, lads, this is how it happens. Come in. Get your breathing sorted. Get an ice back on your head. Breeze. I'll tell you one point, okay? The skipper will tell you something. Happy days. But there you go. There you set your expectations in terms of what what you want from from the players and stuff. But yeah, no. Ask ask boys about boys piping up in huddles and stuff like this. So remember, <laughs> well, actually, I, I wish I said this. Lux, I wish. Lux, oh, there's, a, there's quite a few oh, of them. Mate, like. Everyone, keyboard warriors. <laughs> yeah. We were playing. I, I, I wish I, I've only just remembered this, but Saman will remember this. So. The first year we went up to the division we're in at the moment, we went up, we came down, we went up, we stayed up. That's that's where we're at at the moment. And some man had ruptured his Achilles. So he'd been out injured. And he was coming back from injury. He's been out for about 12 months. And we're doing training before the national team game. So it's about, we're about six weeks out and John will put on one session. If you could get down, and just run to a little bit, just slowly we ease you into it. We're in this huddle, and he was like the ex-captain, but obviously he hadn't played in a year. So, it, it, unfortunately, like, if you're not playing, mate, nobody cares. Do you know what exactly. I mean? It's, it's, as cold as that sounds, that's just the way nature of the beast. Like, they, you know, you make out in rugby that everyone's like, oh, you know, yeah, we don't forget about everyone. It's all tosh, mate. Once you f- stop playing, no one cares about it anymore. Yeah. But some man basically piped up, and then... Uh, I've got the two French lads next to me, guy Thomas Kremer, who's one of the props, one of the older boys, absolute legend, old school. And then you've got Cantan D, who plays at Walford Orange. <laughs> no, he's he's a top he's a top boy as well, good player. And basically I can my French had obviously started to improve and some man spoke and you basically just heard Cantan go to Thomas, who's that? And Thomas just went, ha, huh, must be a new player or something. Obviously in French, <laughs> like, and mate, just absolutely shut Saman down completely. But like, oh, Saman obviously came straight back into the team and started, you know what I mean? But it's like, 
Yeah, you'll get just 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 learn a bit of hierarchy, yeah. a, bit of, a, bit, a, bit of, a bit of hierarchy. It doesn't happen of, anymore, yeah. though. No, no, no. Jeez, no. I, I wouldn't have dreamed no. of speaking in a huddle when I was coming out of school. You yeah. know, you're playing for your senior. You might have been playing for the third team. You still wouldn't talk, though. Do you think Will, Will Jordan has too much to say on the on the team bus and the and the All Blacks? No, I wouldn't have thought so. No, I, I, I actually read um, I read another funny one about Justin Marshall. So he used to be like it was a big thing to sit at the back of the bus. And, you know, they'd basically bait the younger ones um, to try and get up near the back of the bus. And he he tried to get up there, and I'm not sure who it was. One of the locks grabbed his tie and pulled him so tight, his tie so tight, it's basically going blue. And was, like, on the verge of passing out. So the physio had to run up and cut his All Blacks tie so he could breathe. Now, I don't think you ever get a second one, do you? I I'm not sure how it works. I don't, someone I, could, I, I don't know. Some, but um, there's another funny one there, guy. I saw the, the, the James Heskell article recently when he was at the Highlanders. Oh, a big scrap at the front. Yeah, after party. Well, beating, and then, knocking and then, each other out and, and stuff like Knocked each other and, and apparently then afterwards, the next day, no one, like, it was it was normal. Yeah. They, they, like, they, oh, yeah, it was good, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just got knocked out last week I just knocked you out last week but is everything all like no it was just like nothing happened like it was completely yeah, it's all part and parcel of it isn't it but there was a, I was watching another I think it was not podcast I'm not sure which podcast it was on but it was a guy Toby Flood who played for England yes. got yeah. a lot of caps and he's, he's finishing up now and they're asking him about he was there when Leicester were the you know the big dogs always in the final and um, they played the semi-final and won and basically had all the old the old guard at the back of the bus and they would just start this sort of hum basically being like you'll never get near the back of the bus (laughs) just trying to bait the youngsters to come up and mate they they hammer the crap out of each other be back in training on Monday not not a word said you know then go and win the final the following Saturday different different breed mate yeah um, so obviously Burnsy sent me a message he's he's doing the squash performance um He's still waiting on your, uh, he wants your specifications for that two-week wonder plan. But he was telling me he actually bumped into uh, Paul Cole um, and had a chat with him after well, a couple he, of Because he, tra- he trains Joel Macon. Yeah, that's and, right. And, jo- I mean, Paul Cole, in my opinion, is the fittest man in, on the, in, the, on the um, in squash. Yeah. But Joel Macon would rival him. If anyone's going to go, Joel <clears> is... From a fitness point of from view. A, from a fitness point of view. But he lacks a little bit of in his playing, lacks a bit of creativity, in my opinion. But just improved. I mean, really, really yeah. top, top, top class player. Probably not far off the top ten. In fact, even he might even be in the top ten. I don't know the, the, the ranks, but doing really well. And um, your man Burnsy has, you know, helped him a lot and worked on his movement. His, his movement. You watch Joel. Um, Joel's movement is around the court is phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, Burns, yes, yeah, I've been following a few of his posts. He's 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 out. He's getting it out that he's not not a, not afraid to call it call it as it is and call yeah. a few people out, which is which I find. Um, I mean, I, I don't I don't know him, but I certainly find it. Um, but he was saying he had, he had a couple of beers with Paul. I had a couple of beers and then was chatting to Paul. Then basically started slagging off rugby league. Why would he do that? Well, because he's an idiot. Because Paul Cole's old man is a rugby league international. Uh, his uncle, uncle Tony played for uh, his uncle. I think his uncle Tony played for uh, rugby, rugby league. West, the west coast of the South Island. It's big uh, rugby league territory. Get the two of them on and make them talk to each other. We'll make that awkward. That'd be quite funny. <laughs> Mate, big one from the weekend. Formula One. Huge, huge. Who was Formula One a winner? 
Certainly, it's because we're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Good. I like that. Good. Um, but yeah, it was just weird. The end of it, wasn't it? I've, I've seen. Not for me. I was. I was. I was I've been jumping up and down. Oh, were you buzzing? Sort of, oh, absolutely buzzing. But okay, it's, it depends on who 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 you support and why. I, I mean, mean I, I don't I don't know enough about it. But obviously, that fella crashing, and then they basically the race director has basically made an on the spot decision to make the last lap competitive. Yeah. Well, well, sorry, in his to make it in his eyes what is competitive. Yes. Because if you're making it competitive, there would be an element of being yeah. even or something, wouldn't there? And I think under the circumstances this season, we we had to see the race controller, Michael Messi, I think it is. He he had to come in quite a quite a lot. He and, made and, a couple of big and, calls, and, 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 and he, but he had to make a couple of big calls. You know, the 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 teams are let's say lodging an an, an appeal, so he's had to make a call. You know what? It's for me, it brought racing into being a little bit, let's say, like like boxing, like squash, like rugby, where there was a referee. Yeah. And you know what? Referees make bad decisions. Get on with it. Yeah, it you know, but it all balance themselves and that's, long And, and normally, they? Formula One, you go, well, why should a referee judge a, or, or why should a referee judge a Formula One? No, it shouldn't. But this was uh, this. There were points here that they needed a, a referee or a race controller. Look at um, the America's Cup. It, it always ends up in the court in, in courts. Un- unfortunate and a detriment to that sport. We don't want Formula One to go end up like that either. But it, 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 at the end of the day, the, the referee or race controller had a, had an, an influence on the final round. I mean, you couldn't make it up. I mean, what a spectacle. It comes down to the last lap or the race controller. He, he, it wasn't a conspiracy. He didn't make it. It was just the way it was, and it was tense. Was Hamilton phenomenal in that? And what, what, what could he do differently? Nothing. Hamilton could do nothing yeah. nothing differently. Yeah. But at the end of the day, not always, the, or, or very frequently, I should say, the best, the best athlete, the best player, the best driver, the best cut doesn't always win, and that was proven. Proven. Yeah, I mean, well, also you see that that bounce back ability. We'll see how Hamilton goes next year. You know, won't be on the realms of possibility. I think he handled it quite well at the end. He went and shook his hand and patted, but you could see the hurt on him. And yeah. and I think in the press conference later on, he didn't show, and I thought that was that was poor. I mean. We all have our opinions on on, on, on on different people. Hamilton's not not a not a fan of mine, but when I look at the social media and the journalism, particularly out of the UK, wow, they're pro pro Hamilton. Yeah, I I'm, I probably shouldn't be saying this on, on on the podcast. I just don't like how Hamilton comes out opinionated when he goes into a country like Saudi Arabia, Hungary, and comes out and, and, and comes in with, with these political comments of uh, you. Um, about the country, 100%. I just don't like it. It's wrong. These guys are actually p- paying you, you in front. You can't you, pick and you, can, you, can't, you can't pick and choose. And if you don't like the the way they the, they and you think it's wrong, and I'm not saying that I I, I think it's right. No, I'm just saying. But if you think, um, you, you shut your mouth and get on with it, or don't race there. Exactly. If you feel that strongly about it, don't race. And that's what I don't like about <clears> him. But as he as he. Athlete. Now I see the athleticism, and since watching the Netflix series, I'm not sure if you watched it. Drive yeah, to Survive. Class, oh, class, quality. And that that added to this race. You know, everyone's like, "What's the, what?" Well, everyone wants to see. Everyone's going to watch the next round of it just purely on what's happened in. But uh, Hamilton hasn't been on, has he? I've, I've only watched one and a half of the one. Once I'm talking it? about next year. 
So oh, they're, they're, Everton watched the actual um, the Formula yeah, One, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, without a doubt. But I think people are talking about watching the next Netflix and seeing it. But Hamilton's not really involved in the Netflix. It's more the, <coughs> more the other ones. But what you do is you learn what goes behind the scenes. Yeah. You learn um, they're not just guys that sit in a car and that can can race cars. These guys are athletes, yeah. full time, full time. And, and they're tacticians. They are, um, yeah, I think the athletes just as much as as. as Paul Cole and, and, and Dan Carter in their own, in their own and, field they're phenomenal I just yeah I guess whether it's money he's now a sir he got knighted yeah I saw that yeah interesting apparently you can become a sir or a lord in Scotland you can buy a patch of land on the internet I saw and that makes you a lord or apparently, a sir apparently so if you buy interesting to I buy anything that, these yeah. days I mean I'm not saying he's not a sir because he's a, he's a, he's a uh, if it's just a title that the, that the English have, isn't it? That they bestow upon him, huh? Yes, sir, Sir Graham Henry. Legend. Yeah. Um, just on that bombshell, we're going to jump across to this uh, interview uh, with Oshin here and just get his thoughts on um, the FLR game at the weekend, uh, and we'll be back in a bit. Uh, well, Oshin, how are you getting on? I'm not too bad, I'm not too bad. Back in back in Ireland Christmas, so nice to be home with the family. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Um, thanks thanks for your time today. Uh, this is the first time I've done this on a Zoom, so we'll see what the sound quality comes out like. So, uh, yeah, I've got a few questions, obviously, from myself and Nathan, uh, just about yourself um, leading up to the most recent game uh, at the new National Stadium. But, yeah, first of all, I mean, how, obviously, uh, how did you end up in Luxembourg? Yeah, the, the Luxembourg one is it's a funny, funny story. So I was working for a a company that um had an office out in the Cayman Islands and actually was supposed to to move to Cayman, um, but different things with visa delays and whatnot. Um put me in Luxembourg for what was supposed to be a kind of two or three months stint, but um got over to Luxembourg, came across the black stuff and the pig and uh, a bit of RCL in between and you know, haven't left. So um it's kind of an unusual one, yeah. We, with different delays and that, and then, yeah, stayed and, and liked it. So, very good. It's like it seems to be a lot of people in Luxembourg come out for an internship and then end up staying out here for the rest of their lives. So, you know, quite, yeah, uh, I have heard, I, I have heard the whole kind of you come out for two years or twenty years sort of thing. So, uh, and I've seen a lot of people that do that. So, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe my my, my better option, maybe she doesn't want to hear it, but uh, we're we're past two years now. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's twenty years. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see. Um, and obviously, you, you alluded to that, um, obviously getting up to RCL. Uh, rugby clubs are always a brilliant place to, uh, you know, to go, especially if you're trying to find your feet, because, well, essentially, it's, you know, the fifth, the four, sorry, the 14 blokes you're going to play with, and then how many people you're training. It's just, you know, people you immediately have something in, in common with. Yeah, the, the, the rugby club has been, it's kind of, I suppose, what's made my my years out in Luxembourg so far, just getting to meet different lads and the friends I've made. It's, it's pretty much all been through, through the rugby club in one way or another. Um, I do remember my first, so the summer I moved out there was the Lions tour, what was it, 2017? 2017. And I remember being in contact, being in contact with um, Saman and Paul Sweetnam from the rugby club. And Saman messaged me to say, oh, we're all going out to watch it in one of the pubs, watch one of the games. And I, I can actually still remember, I think it was at, at the Brit, still remember going down to seeing all the lads, you know, sitting outside, things like JB and Francois and, and Saman, kind of a lot of the, the, the older guys were definitely there. And um, 
actually been too nervous to go over and join them. It's a combination of being hungover from the night before and kind of just really like, oh no, it's too many people too early in the morning uh, on the points. So kind of looking back on that um, now, it's like, geez, they're, they're some of the, the best memories I have with these guys that I originally, you know, you're kind of nervous joining a new club, but um, it's been, the, the rugby club has been amazing, just meeting different people. And obviously every year there's people come in and out. So there's just a network of people that you get to meet and the, ver- the variety of people that you meet, it's, it's, uh, it's quite cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, I remember seeing an email flying around about this big number eight coming from Lansdowne. So, was that you, or is, is he coming next year? How many messages? But obviously, you're still waiting on still, still waiting on that fellow's fellow here. Oh, <laughs> well, we see fingers crossed. It's, it's front five they're after normally. That's all we ever we never stop hearing about. Um, obviously, you uh, you know, you're sort of. Uh, on the on the fringes of it all, in terms of you you train away with uh, with the club at RCL, and then you get boys, you know, like myself, and then obviously quite a big bulk of the the squad often until recently have come from RCL. So you see uh, them; they'll be they drift in and out at certain times of the year. Um, you know, at, at what point did uh, did that did that really become you know a target? Whether it's something you said or whether it's just in the back of your mind, yeah, I'd really like to uh, to get involved in that. Yeah, so, so the, the national team stuff, I suppose, it's, um, you don't think originally, and then you come out and you, you see it and experience it, and, and you start to maybe set that goal. So I, I actually set that goal myself from very early on when I realised kind of that it was a possibility. Um, achievable, you know, it was yeah, the, the yeah. Che- Achievable, like, and, and not that, you know, you, you should set your goals and what you, what you think you can achieve and what you can't achieve. But for me, it was very much the, the kind of Tuesday night trainings where we'd go up against. Uh, that used to be a thing where where the national team would go up against the RCL guys um, on the Tuesday nights before a, before a Saturday game where, where the national team were playing. And I think from playing both with the kind of bulk of the team and then playing against the rest of them on, on the Tuesday nights, it, I, I kind of saw to myself, oh, well, I could be part of this. If, if I keep the head down, keep working improve my game in certain areas. Um, yeah, I, I could really be part of part of something and to be to play for and represent a country uh, it's quite, quite an honor. So, you know, for me to be able to achieve that honor, um, once I once I realized it was, it was well within my grasp, but a bit a bit of hard graph, um, I just put the head down and, and, and did my time, kept playing the rugby and and um, you know managed to achieve it out in Sweden. I believe you're one of the last the last crop if you like who are gonna just ducking under that three-year, uh, the three-year residency rule, which World Rugby have now uh, obviously changed to, to five years. Um, you know, which is which is good. Obviously, you you won your first cap against uh, against Sweden. So you know, talk us through that. Did you have any nerves in the warm-up or anything like that? Or you know, yeah. I I, I think I know where you're going with this. The nerves in the warm-up and. Uh... I think you and I can confirm uh, well, my nerves. Can, I believe tell it, mate, because I know, I know, I know the story, mate, because I was there. But you, this is this is what the listeners want to hear. So yeah, far away, mate. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, we all know where this is going. But um, yeah, I, I think the nerves of the occasion probably got to me a little bit. Um, kind of been out there and up in Sweden and kind of as I was saying, and talking to people about it previously that. The, the stadium and stuff, it wasn't any different to stadiums that you would have played in before. It was quite normal and everything felt quite normal about it. But I think just the overall occasion of actually representing Lux for the first time after three and a bit, four years of kind of wanting to achieve this goal, it did, it did 
it did kind of get to me another warm up. Um, you know, it was a sim- fairly simple warm up, passing drills and things like that. And I think I dropped four balls in a row when I was supposed to go right, went left. When I was supposed to go forward, I went backwards. Um, to the extent that I, I do remember Scott, you pulling me aside and saying, "Hey, mate, just just chill out here. You know, you're good enough to be here, so don't don't worry about it." And uh, it's it it was just a, a, that warm up, I think, and just the kind of building up to it all. Um, plus, actually, not wanting to mess up the national anthem in front of the likes of Chappie and and uh, and some of the the other guys who who the never let me yeah. that down. That probably played a part of it as well. Yeah, the looks of those. You know, I, I was sharing a room with um with Tony Drennan for. And uh, you know, I think before going to bed, did I listen to the anthem about four times? Um, just another one of those, right? Um, another another one of those plastic paddies, as you like to say, huh? Uh, look, you know, you know, everyone has their faults, right? But um, it's funny. I mean, I remember chatting to you about the Sweden game, and I don't think that was a fair, um, fair representation of how how enjoyable the experience can be because it was we hadn't we hadn't played in two years and you know, turnover of players, turnover of staff, and obviously traveling over on the Thursday, quite a lot of training on the Friday, you know, it, it sort of definitely took its toll. And, you know, um, thankfully, we got another um, another opportunity to play against um, the Czech Republic, which, you know, me personally, I really enjoyed. Um, not, not so much not being able to play out in Dubai the week after, but I've already talked about that earlier on. Um, but yeah, you know, compare it obviously to then playing against Czech Republic, and uh, yeah, you're far away, mate. Yeah, I think the Sweden game overall in the squad there was, there was quite a good atmosphere amongst the players, but I suppose we didn't know each other well enough, and that kind of then just set a tone of uncertainty. And I think there was just so much uncertainty in about what we were trying to do, what our game plan was. We we thought we knew what we were doing, but we didn't really, and I and I think that that's shown true and. We didn't know each other. You could tell that, you know, even just disconnects on the pitch, which I, that's what led. Like, if you look back on the game, it's just, it's not a complete failure of a, of a team. It's just disconnects and kind of one out kind of mistakes and disconnects and, and things like that. And I think that really shone true. And then it shone true in the opposite manner then against um, against Czech. And look, no one's stupid. We've, we still have a lot of work to do. But I think the improvement from Sweden to, to Czech um, it, it was just so much, so much better in terms of preparation, people understanding, kind of just all the different things um, came together in a better manner. We're, we're, we're not, by no means a finished article, but um, I do think just everything about the Czech game was, was just so much better than, than Sweden. Um, if we can keep making the same improvements, I think um, you know the next, the next two games. We don't look too far ahead, but the, the, the next two games against Hungary and Latvia, I think that's where we're really going to come into our own as a team, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. But what about, you know, obviously for the guys who maybe play rugby in Lux, who are, um, you know, playing at the stadium, what was the track like, the changing rooms, you know, the whole the training the night before, what was that like? Yeah, so, so being being part of that and kind of being in the camp, being in the stadium, for me, I, I was at the Ireland-Luxembourg um, the qualifier, the football qualifier, the two weeks before. So I'd been in yeah. the stadium and I'd seen it kind of, you know, on a big match day. So for me, it was like it, it was like this is this is unbelievable. This stadium, like that stadium, it felt like when I was at the Ireland game as a as a, a supporter, it, it felt like a proper match day. You know, it felt like what you feel like when you're in the big city stadiums. Um, so to go back and play in that stadium and like to walk through the same tunnels and change rooms and stuff, that was really really cool. And I think 
that brought something special for everyone to be to be playing in this new national stadium, to be part of the first rugby game to be played in, in, in that stadium. Even the little things like we all signed the the rugby balls um, that that they put out the two balls, you know, to mark the occasion of the first game. I think a lot of that is quite special, and it it's something that maybe won't hit us for another couple of years until maybe you've retired and things like that. But I, I think to be part of that was was really special, and um, it just really it's it was a such an occasion for for rugby in Luxus was. Yeah, I mean, it's almost one of those things where you don't want the day to end, you know, because it was it's it's. Uh... It's a real positive uh, group of people, you know. Um, uh, you know, you, ha- you have to be positive. You have to have energy about you because, obviously, yeah, little mistakes you can't let it affect you because you only ha- you have such a short amount of time together. So, yeah, you know, a great experience. Obviously, um, you know, it just uh, yeah, it gets you hooked, doesn't it? And you want to be obviously hope working both, you know, both be involved in the next game against Hungary. Um, just a little one. Um, I was uh, so I was obviously we're warming up for the game, and um, what was brilliant is of uh, quite a lot of the crowd. So there was about two thousand people down watching. Quite a lot of the crowd were up, and uh, obviously we started to warm up, and um, and then I, I could hear this 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 racket um, of these lads up in a bit further up in the stand, and they were holding this uh, this big flag, and it basically said Project Player on it. So. You know, obviously, it was uh, great to see um, a lot of your mates fly over um, from Dublin for the game. I know your family and your brother were there as well, you know, which is fantastic. But could you just, yeah, tell us more about this this project player? I mean, are you, are you Luxembourg's first official project player or where did, where does this story come from? Um, yeah, so I suppose on having the lads there, I'm pretty deferred with this, but uh, from having the lads, uh, so nine, nine of my friends came over, um, my two brothers, my parents came over and obviously my girlfriend Sinead was there as well so to have that many people in in, in the stadium um cheering you on what, what was amazing um but the uh the, the project player story um i don't know where where it's managed to, to grow legs i'm gonna blame um a certain individual um ross farrell who, who i used to play with at, at Lansdowne for orchestrating and creating this story uh on a trip over himself um and some others came over and uh spread wild rumors around Luxembourg about the project player, but they did between the, the nine lads, they um they pulled together, brought came over and unveiled this project player. So basically a Luxembourg flag with my face on it and project player across it um in, in the sand um in the middle of the warm-up. Um and yes, it, it, it completely threw me. I remember Scott you pointing up at it, a couple of other lads looking up at it. Trying to try to be and serious in the warm up and bursting out laughing because you can, you know, we all know exactly who it's about, you know. Yeah, well, it didn't have my faces across the flag too. So anyone that didn't even know who it was about, it was fairly obvious. But um, I do remember actually the flag being up there and we were standing underneath the post, um, kind of on a water break during the warm up. And then the backs went one side, the forwards went the other for, for line outs. And I was just so thrown by the whole thing um, that I was actually standing in the middle of the pitch on my way over to the backs, not realizing. Where everyone was going, and and it, it did it completely threw me. I did, I didn't realize I, I knew there were three lads coming. I didn't realize nine of them were coming. Um, one of them actually again, Ross had had texted me that morning saying, with a really kind of like meek text, being like, "Oh, I'll make the next one." Sorry. Um, and so like I I had, I had no clue. Um, so it, it it was quite special, I suppose, to for them to do that and and to to put the effort into to come out with with the flag. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome to hear. Really really happy that you had people to you know ultimately share that experience i know your brother 
um, who's very good friends with uh, Gautier Barres at the moment, um, was out as well, uh, which was brilliant to see. Um, there is one last question. Obviously, I've been doing the podcast with, uh, with Nathan, and the question we always ask uh, any of our guests is whether you have your socks up or your socks down, and why do you have them up or why do you have them down? I would be um, a socks up if they'll stay up guy. Um, I would suffer from a, a, a syndrome like many others of not having the biggest calves in the world. Um, combined actually with ruptured my Achilles uh, back in, in in April. So as small as my, my, my calves were before, I have one of them that's kind of nearly looks like a peg leg at the moment. So a bit of, bit of work to do in the gym, but you know. Um, I'm, sure everyone will be looking, so. everyone, I'm sure everyone will be looking out for that the next time you play. I'm telling you, right? So, so if the socks will stay up, I'll, I'll keep them up. If they won't stay up, then uh, you know, then they go. Yeah. Uh, well, mate, um, really appreciate you taking your time to talk to us. Obviously, you know, it was great. That obviously, you got to, you know, that first experience of you getting to play in the national, uh, the new national team stadium, and hopefully the first of many caps. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, Merry Christmas and a happy two new, uh, happy New Year to you, and uh, look forward to seeing you hopefully. Uh, the new Stade de Luxembourg with those socks pulled up. <laughs> no, th th thanks very much for having me on. It's been, been a pleasure and, and um, Merry, Merry Christmas to both you guys and looking forward to, uh, to catching up again in the new year. All right. Okay. Thanks for your time, Oshi. Um, yeah, very interesting uh, to listen to your uh, take on things and, you know, good to not hear um, Scott's voice so much talking about rugby. It's good hey. to hear another voice. voice, um, voice. James Rauter, Wi-Fi as they call him. His second name's Router, you know, like the Router. Okay. Um, he commented on the page and asked if Saman is the youngest national team rugby captain ever. How old was he? 18. That's an interesting one, isn't it? I actually, well, I'm going to message World Rugby because I was doing some digging about it and I couldn't find anything. One thing I did find, though... Good point, if it is. That'd be class, wouldn't it? Crack of the sauce bottle. A statue of him outside the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> with his socks up, with obviously. His, with a bomber jacket on, with his bomber jacket on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, a scarf and a flat cap. And his, um, no, not a flat cap, he'd be wearing a fisherman's hat. Fisherman's hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but interesting, Will Carlin, so you know, uh, he's played for England. He yeah. was only 22 when he got made England captain. Um, and he'd only won seven caps. Actually, my brother oh. my brother showed me this, um, this thing on YouTube. Um, and it's <laughs> these... Um, we haven't had a knock at the door yet, actually. We no, do, we no knock at the door. Phone, phone as well. Um, and um, just telling me these stories. So they, all these old professionals, they run like these pre-match uh, pre dinners where they get the old pros uh, to come in and tell a few stories to all the pundits whilst they're having their dinner and stuff. And he was telling me one about uh, England were playing Wales. And it was, it was actually, um, so Will, Will Carlin was hosting it, but you got a guy called Kieran Bracken. So Kieran Bracken sat on the bench for England in the World Cup final uh, in 2003, which they won. And um, basically, uh, Kieran Bracken's still at uni, he's at Bristol Uni, and he's been called into the England squad. And so they've rocked up, but back then obviously it wasn't professional, so I think they've rocked up on the Wednesday night or the Tuesday night before the, the international. And he's checked into the hotel and he's bumped into Jason Leonard, um, and a load of the old boys and they're all you know they've got the glad rags on they're all going out for a few beers and um, he goes what's the crap lads are you, are you going out and Jason then he goes yeah it's only Wales um, 
So he goes and dumps his kit off, goes out, obviously tries to go drink for drink with Leonard, you know, big mistake. Um, so they get back in about three o'clock in the morning and um, he's like, oh, I'm starving. So he goes up to the function room in the hotel where they have like all the leftover finger food and stuff. He's like, yeah, I'll go get some munch up there. Goes in, sneaks in and then notices that all the England coaching staff are actually in there doing video analysis on Wales. And obviously in a bit of a panic, makes a racket, um, knocks over some things and gets out of there. Next morning, everyone gets a note, slid under the door, team meeting, now very important or very serious or something like that. So they all get called down. And I can't remember who the coach of England was at the time, but basically he goes absolutely mental. It's an absolute disgrace, you know, going down the piss in the week of a test match before you play Wales. Will, I don't know who it was, but I want it sorted. You know, I want this sorted. sorted. So all the coaches leave. The Carlin stands up. Right, lads, you know, it's not on. We've got a big game at the weekend. You can't be doing that. So, you know, whoever it was, you stand up and... And, um, take ownership take ownership sort of thing so anyway Bracken sat there and he's like you know head thing <laughs> puts hand by side and goes to stand up anyway just as he goes to stand up he gets these two massive paws <laughs> on his shoulder and basically sits him down it's Jason Lenny goes lads and everyone looks at him it wasn't me I didn't get in until seven <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you think um, that, um, that that let's say like I call it drinking culture do you think it's still st- still there with the players now I think it's dying out I think um, because it's getting more critical um, financially critical or, or no not at all but like anything you, you're you in the limelight do you know what I mean go out on the lash go and do what you want but you know I know when you were at uni they didn't have smartphones even when I was at uni they didn't have smartphones you think of the stuff you know you go out on a night out and stuff like that and oh, a story's almost mm. better when you don't see but I'm, video but I'm thinking about oh, oh, yes that's right but I'm also thinking um, the performance of these athletes is a lot more are, are the athletes a, a, a lot more professional yes but I, I've heard stories about George Smith who was an absolute unbelievable player he used to go so hard after games on the pints and stuff like that go absolutely mad and he'd be in the next day on the bike with the mask on, sweat out, bomb, good to go. Remember Eddie Jones saying, you know, if, if that's what if that's what you do, that's what you, you do. do. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, it, it's proven that it will decrease your performance. I mean, yeah. your body's breaking your body's breaking down alcohol. Pretty so. sure there was a study in New Zealand about having pints before a game and it not affecting performance. <laughs> At least they were. At least they attended. Funded by a beer company, uh, yeah. Steinlager or something. Yeah, probably Tui. But at least they, um, yeah, kept someone occupied. So just on the subject of youngest players, actually George, um, George, George North, the youngest player to achieve a hundred caps, twenty eight. Twenty eight. That's phenomenal. That's mad, isn't it? Um, sort of and he's been, been pinched yeah, by inju- um, head injuries. So how many more will he get? And also the the other young speedster, uh, Zamet, was Wheels, so Wheels. so. Um, wouldn't say his, wouldn't say his days numbered because he's, he's still probably got another you know good five years of rugby left. But wouldn't you think George North, if uh, assuming he's, we'll see. Um, so just bouncing back to Lux a little bit. The two they named their uh, athletes of the years. Um, uh, for the men's, it was a guy, Sharal Grethen, who was the guy who's been absolutely smashing the, uh, the 1500 meter indoor right. records. And he, so he got to the Olympic final. That's right. Put um, the tally box on for that. And then uh, for the ladies, forgive me if I'm uh, not pronouncing this right, it's Christine, Christine Majerus. So um, she finished 
she's a cycle cross rider. Um, she's obviously been smashing it this year. So you see that name quite a lot on the on the bikes. Just the, the bikes around. Maybe we're naive about you know because we obviously focus on our sports. Maybe we just don't don't get enough. Don't sit here and don't look. Maybe we don't. We don't look for it. But there's some. Yeah, certainly some. I mean, cycling's massive. Cycle uh, that cycle cyclocross is huge. Bit of a funny one here. The um, Belgians like the cyclocross. Yeah, the Dutch like it as well. But it's really yeah. flat in Holland, isn't it? So I'd imagine it's quite easy to be a cyclist. Well, it is, but they they make them race on cobblestones. Or is that in Belgium they do? It? Have you seen those races in the mud? Oh, look at that! I think I'd rather play rugby in the snow. Throwing stuff on my face here. Um, so obviously I had a lot of time on my hands um, whilst I was in Dubai and um, I bought this book called Fringes and it's called Life on the Edge of Professional Rugby. It's by a guy called Ben Mercer and he was sort of a, on the cusp of the professional game then came to France for a year, uh, not for a year, came for about four or five seasons in the end, played with a team called Stade Rouen who have basically started at the bottom, come all the way up, they're playing Pro, pro D2 now. That's the, that's the league before top 14. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. Really good, mate. Really good. Like, just, I think you can relate to a lot of it all because it's that sort of amateur going into professional and, and sort of thing. So I actually finally finished that book. So, yeah, it's worth a read. Um, good good fun. Um, Life on, on, on the Edge of Professional Rugby, yeah, Ben Mercer. Ed, uh, fringes, Fringes, Ben Mercer. I think his brother played for Bath. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so... You've probably seen all the stuff about the European rugby this weekend. Um, like all the teams coming back from South Africa are about to quarantine. So basically, some teams have had like 30 players unavailable and stuff like this. It's absolutely mad. Um, I know the Scarlets actually cancelled their game. Um, it's happening it's happened on nights, it's happening in football a lot yeah, as, yeah. as well. So. Um, so there's a guy called Rowan Jenkins. So he's 30. He's the groundsman at Aberevan. Uh, Aber have I said that right? I'm useless with all those um, he's British from, names. He's from Wales, but um, but he played um, against Toulouse um, on, at the weekend in the so European Cup, and he's gone from playing Welsh Premiership straight to playing against Toulouse, playing against Anton Dupont, um, and uh, yeah, it's just sort of like he, he does have a, a good rugby playing background, but he's basically gone from you know. The part timers playing the full time pros, and there were quite a few of them as well. Cardiff. What a what an what an experience. Get that shirt up on the wall, would you? Yeah. But yeah. Um, speaking of that right one, moment. actually, well, um, it reminded me of the one about Stephen Donald. Oh, what? Oh, Beaver. Beaver, Beaver Donald. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a, a remarkable, a remarkable story because he's your fourth choice. He didn't. He won in the squad, was he? Fly half. No. Apparently, Graham Henry tried to ring him. Because he was out fishing, he didn't get any signal. Yeah. Mills, Mills Marina, they ran Mills him like, mate, you need you to ring. Uh, what are they called? What's yeah. Graham Henry's nickname? Ted. Yeah. Um, yeah, you need to give Ted a ring, mate. And then he's like, oh, I'm out fishing white bait. That's right. And Ted said, listen, if you bring me some white bait, you could start in the final. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very. Um, we all had sweaty bottoms on that. Uh, he put on five kilos. But it looked. At, I mean, when I remember seeing him run out, uh, I remember the situation very, very cool feeling. 
thinking, oh my God, what is going to happen now? Because he had had a crap season, even though I guess by his own right, he was. I think I don't think he was in the best of no. places that year. I, I guess he obviously wanted to be in the All Blacks. He didn't get names, and mm-hmm. and knowing that he's the fourth choice, I mean, why would you not be out white baiting? I think he was going to ready to go and play for um, Bath. But interesting thing, when he went and played for Bath afterwards, he was oh, okay. What I said to his face, I guess I am. If I say it on here, I'm sad to his face. He wasn't that good. But then he, at the same time in his comments, he's saying, well, the back line of Bath, they, the, half of them couldn't catch and pass anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember watching it and thinking, he's not that good. You know, seeing some of the years, he, he wasn't really. Like the same old he wasn't, you, light, you he play, wasn't lightning at lighting up the back line, that's for sure. So it's a bit. Yeah, but, you, but it's the same old. You play better with. Your, you know, with the tools around you. Like if you play against a better squash player, you'll play better. True, if true. I play in a better rugby team, I will play better. Better, yes, yeah, yeah. It'll, you know, it'll raise your, you raise your play, standard. Yeah. Go and play golf for Tiger Woods. I will mark his ball for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Whatever the case, he kicked the winning goal for the All Blacks in the um, 2011 Rugby World Cup and made a lot of. Oh, stop talking about the World Cups, mate! Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be talking about rugby after this autumn series. Far oh, out. Um, but. Uh, yeah, a couple of random facts about Luxembourg here coming up. You've got a few there. So, true or false, Andy Schleck won the Tour de France in 2010. True. Yep. So, he actually didn't, but the winner, Alberto Contador. Drugs. Drugs, drugs. That's something I would love to chat to someone like him about. Because he would have been, uh, he would have been there or thereabouts with Lance Armstrong. Let's get thing. him on. We can get him on. And just to see, like, as a cycling against these boys, n- knowing that you, not that you've got no hope, but you know what I mean. Being like, this is BS. This I can't keep with these guys because they're all taking bassets all sorts. But if you've got a good team, they're also carry, carrying you up a hill. So if you've got a, 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 a team of cyclists that are carrying you up a hill, yeah, okay. Versus one guy who's on his own, loaded on. No, but it doesn't matter because they're all on it. All that US postal lot were all on it. Yeah, but I'm talking about any. But let's just say there's a there's a a, a, a team of clean cyclists, and they're taking on one guy that's on. You'd like, to think, on gear. Yeah, you'd like to think. You'd like to think that the team would still beat that. That athlete, yeah, but I'm, um, I'm trying to reach out to you. Um, the yeah, did you know? Have you, have you got another talk, true or false? Or is, is how many? Well. In nine, uh, I don't know how to make this true or false. Oh, I'll just say it. So the Tour de France has actually left. It's actually started in Luxembourg twice. Twice. 2002, I remember it well. 1989 as well. Started on the Glacier. And there was actually... Down the big hill. They went down, some of the Glacier, and then they went down the big hill, and they had to make a turn where the Britannia pub is. Oh, my God. That's not a turn that you would want to come off. You wouldn't want to make that turn now. No, and it was on the day that they did that, they caught the prologue on their first day. It was slippery on that corner. Did anybody stack it? There was only one. What nationality was the guy? He wasn't a Luxembourger, was he? It was. Oh, yeah, that poor bloke's probably ridden, driven that, gone down that hill about 15,000 times as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he, he, he's, Who was, he's do you know saying, who the name oh, was? I can't remember, I'd have to go through and have a look, but I do remember it well, Lance Armstrong. And then with Stephen Cherry, Cherry. No. Yeah, and I remember spending a few days out on the, yeah, say down on the glacier watching it. It was for me, it was a phenomenal thing because you, Tour de France, you see, it's just a, yeah, like a world, like a World Cup final, really. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. A, um, did you know that Luxembourg is the third most successful country at the Eurovision Song Contest? Bollocks! Yep. Bollocks! Bollocks! Yeah, bollocks! They haven't competed since nineteen ninety four. 
Um, here's, here's, here's an interesting one, a historical one. This is for you, Shappy, if you're listening. The first sentence in Luxembourgish was printed in 1821. Right. So there you go, and the first book was 1929. In a journal called the Luxemburger Wochenblatt. Wochenblatt, yeah. Antoine Meyer published this book in Luxembourgish in 1829. So anyway, this is why we're here, the basketball results. Oh, we are, we are, we are. So. You're gonna put a different spin on it this time. No, I'll probably just read them out. Who's your team again for basketball? Um, DT, were they not? Was it T, uh, T, uh, T71. Oh, the tanks. Dedalang, T71. Okay, so first up, basketball Esh, 75 to 67 over Residence, Wolf Lange. Then we had Avanti Mondorf 2000. What's the crack? Have they just been sponsored by more people? So they just keep adding a bit more onto the name or something. <laughs> um, they lost to Arantia La Rochette, 83 La Rochette, close game. Uh, Edsela Ettelbrook beat AB Contern 86-79 and Telstar ran away with it against Sparta Bertrange 87-69 and, and we don't know who's top of the table is there a table board on Didn't here we don't have a go okay my bad I'll bring that next week do you want to read out the next set of results yep um, this is the LBBL men qualification so I'm guessing this is the main league because that was the cup results uh, Russing Luxembourg 59, Lara Shet 63. Big defensive effort there from those two teams by the look of things. By the look of it, low scoring. <laughs> Residence Volfadange 96, absolutely pummeled Moselle Pikes to 79, 96-79 there. US Heffingen 95 to 67 over my T71 Dedalang. from Dudelange. Yep. Uh, Contern, another loss. To uh, Stiesel, Emma Stiesel. I, I, I'm guessing it's is it Steinzel? Is yeah, it? That is Steinzel. Now, just to be clear, that is not a spelling mistake from me. I'm, no, I'm known for them. <laughs> that's not because of me. I didn't know it was. I send a strongly worded email. Stiesel, 67 or 78. Um, and uh, Sparta Bertrange gave uh, Ettelbrook so. an absolute hiding, 98 to 72. So, on to the ladies, okay. Esh, basketball Esh, went down 59 to 70 points to Ettelbrook. Residence beat Steinzel, 97 to 80. T71, the ladies absolutely pumped Contern, 90-64. Uh, Rangewald, they won 96 points to 59 against Ettelbrook. Um, and Sparta Bertrange went down to Basketball Esh as well. They were playing a catch-up game, 71-62. Now, interestingly, I thought I'd add in some of the Div 2 games because, mate, there are some cool names. I just happened to come, come across some of them. Um, these games aren't particularly high scoring. Um, I'd imagine this is in the National 2. Um, so you've got AS uh, Soulevre. They uh, triumphed over Racing Luxembourg, 54-52. Black Star Mersh, they beat um, right away there. Burborg. Burborg, Esperance Pirates. The Pirates, what a great name for a team. 65 to 36. Heffingham won 49 to 45 against the Black Frogs. Oh, the Black Frogs, that's a good name. For Sheer in Sheeran. That's where Stefan Chap's from. Is he? I have to see if he can get us the, uh, the uh, inside uh, scope on what's going down at the Black Frogs at the yeah. moment. And then. Um, yeah, well, you say Rebound, this one. Rebound, Preiserdahl. Uh, Preiserdahl, good I accent there. They went down by two points to Telstar 
Hesperons. Hesperons is a name. But what I like about the, the, um, these leagues is that the the names of the villages, the, the most or many of them, are the names of the Luxembourgish names, not their French names. Good. I like it. I like it. But it makes it just a little bit more complicated for us to. Uh, to uh, go on about and then I thought I'd throw in um, something we uh, have never talked about before volleyball volleyball give it a go so ladies volleyball Wolfer they beat Patange 3-0 now forgive me I'm ignorant but you play to 25 and you play I think you play best of 5 so basically first of 3 games um, and Wolfer won over Patron. Okay, so 25 they won. 25-22, 25-13, 25-10. Um, and then Mama, they won 3-0 over Steinfort, 25-18, 26-24, Jim Volley. I mean, who, who, are, the, who, are, who are Jim Volley? I mean, they can be any, anyone, Jim, couldn't it? Sounds like, a, sounds like somebody's name. Jim Volley. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> they beat uh, Bart... Bertrange, Bartrain. Yep, Bertrange. Uh, 25-16, 25-18, 25-15. I'll let you take these last three, mate. Okay, and Fentonge beat Dekirch. Um, uh, sorry, Dekirch beat Fentonge 3-1. Uh, 25-16, 25-17, 16 was the, the, the game they lost, and 25-16. Um, Volfa beat Steinfort. 25-20, 25-15, and um, uh, Volleyball Club Mamma beat Volley uh, Bertrange 3-0, 25-15, 25-16, 25-16 and 29-27. So quite tight in that last set. Um, Just do you know any volleyball players? No. I tell you who plays volleyball. Tony Whiteman's daughter plays volleyball. No, basketball. No, I don't know anyone who plays volleyball in Luxembourg. Sorry about that bit. Um, I just want to give a shout out to one of the lads, uh, Guy Robert from uh, from RCL. Um, he's basically started up a sevens team um, with a few uh, with a few of his mates. Um, so the philosophy is that they're a team full of drinkers, but they're not a drinking team. So they call themselves the Beer Barians. You know, the Barbarians, oh, Beer Barians. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. So uh, yeah, it's basically got a load of boys together. Um, they're hoping to increase the squad size. They had a little training camp this week and a few matches. Um, they're so either... they're not affiliated to RCL? No, no, they're, they're playing, Germany. A... playing Germany. Playing yeah. Germany. Um, and they're playing in three tournaments this year in the Schweiter Cup in Kiel, the Germania Sevens in Hanover and the Ameland Beach Rugby. Where do they play? Where's their training ground? They don't have, so they're like bit nomads. Do you know what I mean? They just all meet up and train wherever they can. But uh, Robbie, Robbie Robbles... Um, but yeah, good luck to you. And if you are interested in playing a bit of sevens, reach out to the big man. The last thing we want to finish out is obviously myself and Nathan. We're mad about sport, but obviously a lot of the things we've been talking about today are very high profile. And we just want to give a shout out to all those coaches, mums, dads, brothers and sisters who all maybe drive drive their younger ones to um, to fixtures, to training, you know, washing the dirty kick, whatever it might be, um, getting as many children involved in, in sport is, you is are a massive important sport. people. Yep, you're, you're, you're all you're legends, you do all the work that nobody else recognises, but we do because we both come from backgrounds where our parents did a lot of that sort of stuff for us, so keep doing what you're doing. 
Um, getting kids involved in sport, sport from as young an age as possible is a good thing. Learning to lose. And don't be to shy to give it a go yourselves, mum and dad. Yeah, don't exactly. be shy to give it a go. Learning, um, learning to lose, learning to deal with failure, it's all part of the bigger picture. And on that bombshell, hopefully have some big news next week. We'll get this out to you as soon as possible. Uh, we love having your feedback. Um, and if you've got any comments or you think we're talking out of our derriere, just give us a message and we will happily engage with Take you. Take it on the chops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, G. All right, chirp. Chirp.